Welcome to A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dan. And we are here to talk about the Wolves game and all the other things that have happened in the last uh, week or so in Spurs land. Dan, how'd you feel during the Wolves game? Um, good. I felt good. I felt very positive through it. Um, despite us only winning 1-0. Um, mm. I thought it was okay. How did you feel? I, I get the sense that you were were not feeling as positive. No. Oh, you mean from <laughs> when I posted in the Discord, that was terrible after the first half? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched it with uh, Spurs supporting friend, a Chelsea supporting friend, and a Man U supporting friend. Um, and so the tension was up because I was like, <laughs> we need to win um, because of the situation I'm in. Um, and, yeah, I thought the first half was awful. Um and I was not impressed. It looked like Chelsea 2.0. Um, yeah, I did not have a good time in the first half. Second half, huge improvement. Um, but, yeah, I was not happy at all. See, <clears throat> I don't know. See, I thought I thought in the first half, in terms of Chelsea 2.0, in the Chelsea game in the first half, I thought we're out of it. Like, <laughs> we're getting just completely swamped. We've mm. got no chance here. Whereas I thought at least in this game in that first half, we did – even if we didn't have really that many clear-cut opportunities, I did feel like we were kind of just in the game, but it just wasn't really quite clicking. But I didn't think it was also necessarily clicking that much for Wolves either. So I guess that when I say that I was feeling okay about it, I think maybe because, to me, Wolves weren't really threatening too much that I was like, well, we're not we're not like killing it right now. Wolves aren't really killing it either. So, eh, I'm not too worried about us like going down at this stage. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I probably wasn't that worried about uh, conceding, even though they had a billion shots to our, like, one by the end of the um, half. But I was more just annoyed at the sort of, like, seeming – I mean, it wasn't sluggish. It just felt uh, like we were moving the ball pretty slowly. We were kind of – it felt like we were just kind of biding our time – um, again, like Chelsea didn't have very many clear cut chances, really. Um, they just had one ridiculous goal and then the other where, you know, we didn't cover, um, our, our wing, we overloaded one side and, and just left the rest of the pitch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of like, uh, the funny thing that I've sort of, uh, picked up since this game is a lot of people being like exactly what I just said, like, well, defensively we were good, um, and then we won, you know, one nil through a, a through a set piece. And I'm like, that's the same thing that we were all complaining about under Jose Mourinho. And I'm not trying to start. A, oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not becoming oh, a no, Mourinho buddy. star. Oh, no. I'm not becoming one. I'm not becoming one. And nor am I becoming a Conte hater. Is that but, a is that a Jose puppet that I see in the background there? Shit. <laughs> just ignore that. Just ignore <laughs> that. That's still a working construction. Um, he's actually puppeting me. Okay, great. <laughs> to say to say what I'm going to say, but uh, I just found it kind of ironic that obviously the play is it's not as negative and there's nice patterns and stuff, but I did sort of feel like I was like this is what we kind of went through then, like, mm-hmm. but because it's Conte, we're being like we were really good defensively, um, <laughs> and it's like well we were that's great. Um, I don't know what my point is of bringing this up. I think it's just to air my own. Uh, thought there's no end point to this. Oh, no, no, totally. And I think it, look, it's, I definitely agree on the sentiment of we're not playing that well right now. Mm. Um, 
But I, I think even just looking, I think what was interesting about this game and the Chelsea game were in both games, the other teams had quite a few more shots than us, but they had fewer shots on target. Yeah. Um. So I think that's where when we're talking about like defensively, we're looking okay is in these games, teams are kind of forcing shots. They're not getting really clear cut chances. Um, and you know what? Maybe this is a good uh, a good point to raise. One of the questions which we were asked in the Discord, mm. um, which I think kind of relates to this very sort of topic. So it's from Hexagon Sun asking, could starting slow and peaking late in the game be a deliberate strategy? So many Prem teams try and blow you off the park in the first 25 minutes. So maybe it's conscious by Conte to weather the storm, then take over the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are your thoughts on that, Barney? Well, I think there's such an inherent risk in that because you can't control how the other team plays. So if you're saying, okay, we'll be passive at the start of the game and just try and prevent them, if they're going to try and score, um, you can't always prevent them from scoring or scoring a couple of goals. And then you set up a scenario where you have to come back against, you know, when you're down by whatever amount. It, I, I did think the same thing. I mean, you know, it's it's been said since Conte was at Chelsea that his team starts slowly um, and then sort of, you know, move into the game to... And we saw it last season as well where if a team was pressing us, we just kind of let them do it until the second half and then we'd go at them when they were tired. So, yeah, I think it feasibly could be a strategy. Um, but also I'd rather just, you know, go for it and score a goal <laughs> in yeah. the first 10 minutes. Yeah, I, I think I, – I don't know if I'm convinced that it's an out-and-out strategy that Conte would be going for because, like you said, it, it puts a lot of control in the other team. In, in, sorry, it gives a lot of control to the other team. And I can't see Conte going, let's actually give up possession actively but i do think what happens is we played two games which last season were tougher games for us um Mm. against teams like southam teams like wolves teams who come out and and sort of generally press a little bit more and i think we've just seen that we've just played a couple of teams that press um and then chelsea just decided to just completely (laughs) press us like nothing else as well um because they they maybe saw that as like a weakness from us last season and Mm. i think what we have showed is that I don't think we're purposely giving that up, but I think we are a little bit more resistant to the press now. And to me, that doesn't mean that we're like passing through it and creating clear cut chances, but we've got a little bit more defensive solidity. So even if a team's pressing and they're getting, they're kind of maybe overwhelming us at the start of the game, we're kind of still doing our own thing and kind of being patient. And it just is by the second half, the other team has tied themselves out and we're still, you know, looking a lot fresher overall. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That very much could be the case. I think if you look at it from a sort of broader perspective, like you, you were just saying, then we played teams that gave us difficulties last season, Chelsea, obviously the big one, but you know, the other two did as well. And we have played, uh, either much better or at least a little bit better than we did what we fared last year. Um, and that is a sign of progress. I think for me, I'm kind of stuck in the, we came out against Southampton on the opening day and absolutely beat the brakes off them. And so then it's like the next game's Chelsea and you're like, sweet, we're going to kill them. And then you don't see that. And then Wolves, you're like, okay, we'll kill Wolves though. You don't see it again. And it's not to say that the quality of the setup or um, how we're playing or, or, or whatever is um, lesser than we expected because 
in actual fact, it is an improvement. Um, but I still, I've just been ruined, I think, by that Southampton <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. And, the, you know, the expectations were like, all right, we're great. Decky is the new uh, front runner for the Ballon d'Or. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to walk the league. Here we go. Easy, easy money. Let's do this. Um, so I, I definitely agree with that, that it did set up our, it did inflate our expectations a little bit higher than what they might've been. Um, I think where I'm still kind of buoyed a little bit is that if these are the games where we're playing poorly, I think that this, like this playing poorly is better than last season's playing poorly. Oh, yeah. so if this is our, like, if this is us playing bad, like then I'm like, great. <laughs> like <laughs> if this ended up being us playing like, you know, neutrally or well for the rest of the season, then to me, that's like, okay, not great. Mm. Um, but I think as well, like we're, we're really seeing a bit of an interesting time where I personally don't think Kane has really started the season firing on all cylinders. I know he's got a couple of goals, but I don't think he's actually been playing that well overall. Mm. And also Sonny has just been, um, he's absolutely in one of his little dips where Mm. it's like, it's in a way it's like Son's a bit non-existent at the moment, but other teams can't just, they can't just sit back and think that. So even if he is non-existent, given that other teams know what he's capable of, they still need to be very wary of him. Um, mm. But yeah, we just, we haven't seen anywhere near the the best of Son or even just like a, you know, regular Son. Yeah. I mean, he's been, and again, maybe I am really guilty of like short termism because <laughs> My, I mean, I gave him two last week in our play ratings, but again, this week I was like, he's broken, get him off. He's broken. And then when Richarlison came on, I think again, he did make a difference, um, in terms of our forward thrust or forward momentum. But yeah, I I think you're right. He's probably just in one of his dips and in two, three weeks, he'll be back to normal. But yeah, the dips are cavernous. Like he's just like completely almost anonymous at the moment. Um, and it's because the highs are so high, it's like, it is very frustrating to watch. Oh, no, massively because we know what he's capable of. And last season, I think even we said this on, on one of the, the pods towards the end of the season that we were like, Hey, it looks like Son has, he's really clicked into that world-class level where he's not really having dips anymore. <laughs> he's, mm. And then what happens at the start of the season? And like you said, cavernous dips, um, like dipping so low that it's absolutely just dead silent because we're so far beneath ground level right now for Sonny. Mm. And it's, I think it's a little bit disappointing to see that we're kind of back to that place. And that's not to say that players can't have bad games, but yeah, it, it's just, I thought we were past this being his, I thought he had a high baseline at this stage where mm. it's like, even if he's not playing well, we would be getting a better son than this. And like son's still arguably my favorite player. So I, I still love him, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed with how this has started. Yeah. I mean, I guess teams are so aware of him and, uh, his ability to, uh, make runs in behind and Kane playing balls to him that they're going to be, very prepared for that to happen, which, like we said on the last pod, allows um, Kulisevsky to just kind of do his thing, who I thought was really good again. Um, obviously not phenomenal, but, I, you know, every time he had the ball, I was like, sweet, something's going to happen. Um, 
and it did sometimes. It wasn't the best game he's ever played, but it's still that that baseline that you're talking about. If Kulusevsky's not having a game where he gets a goal and assist or more, it's still pretty high. It's like when he gets the ball, he's going to do something with it or he's going to create some situation, be it us pushing forward or getting into a fight or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just, yeah, <laughs> there's always something. Oh, definitely. And look, I... I... I guess with my comments and so on as well, I probably don't feel him as much against Chelsea because they did just man mark him <laughs> with Reese James for the whole game. So that's that's a little bit different. Like, and if they're going, hey, we're just going to man mark this one player, then obviously that says a lot about Son's quality. But I do agree that Kulusevski is, and, and this is maybe where like Richarlison has more of that similar, like it's that really like fighter mentality where they are ready to go on. If they need to just be physical, they will just be physical. And mm. it maybe shows us where, if we have to say, like, Son has so many strengths, but if he's got a weakness, it might still be his overall physicality. And he, um, he, like, if he gets into scuffles, like, I'm not saying I want Son to go out and become, like, you know, this epic street fighter, but, mm. but I mean, it's probably still one area where you know that, like, Kulusevsky will kind of throw some elbows if he has to. Rashalson yeah. will come on and will do the same. And like, they are happy to kind of get involved in the dirty side of the game. If they get involved in a contest, um, mm. that warrants that where Son, it still seems like obviously a very, very silky and skillful player, but yeah, maybe doesn't, isn't really showing that same level of like, f you know, physicality that I think we kind of need when we are going up against these more physical teams. Yeah. I think for me, Son, you know, he's a big dude. And I think as we've said in the pod before, he doesn't get the credit he deserves for how strong he is and how physical he can be. Mm -hmm. But I, to me, the difference is that with Son, if he gets in some kind of altercation or he's um, like, just, he throws an elbow, he's pushing another player, his attitude on TV seems to be like a, are like, what? What the hell? Why is everyone doing this to me? That's really <laughs> weird of you. Don't go away. Whether Why would Kulisetsky, you do that? Yeah, what Why the hell? Do I can do anything, by the way. I was just, what the hell? Whether Kulisevsky and uh, Richarlison and Romero um, and Hoybier, it's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> Touch me, I'll kill you. I'll, mur I'll, I'll murder you. And there's this, like, solidity there where they don't do that kind of like, what? You know, um, and I think that, like you said, that kind of like fighter mentality, they also have this really strong self-belief, I think, in their own physicality, which seems apparent. I mean, I'm just purely projecting here on what I've seen. It might be completely false, but yeah. Does that sound right to you? No, I think that sounds like a good analysis. And I think you said more eloquently what I was wanting to say um, <laughs> for that. But I think that's that's a good sort of breakdown of it that, yeah, it's not to say Son's weak or, mm. and, and it's not saying he's mentally weak or like anything either. And I think physically it looks like he has actually put on a little bit of bulk. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's more that mentality where, even though Kulisevsky, I mean, in, in friendlies in preseason, he dived a couple of times to try and win a penalty. Um, mm. It's more often not it's like if Kulisevsky gets taken down, he really gets taken down. But if they don't take him down properly, he's more likely to try and shrug them off. And um, he just powers through. 
And mm. I guess, you know, it's, it's obviously different players have different strengths, but in these sorts of games, the, that's where it really seems to stand out a lot more. So I wonder if like, if we're playing a team that we know is going to be really, really physical like this, is it better to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to come across saying, Hey, let's bench Son, but in certain games, like maybe starting with a Richarlison, at least for that first half, when we know the other team's going to be going hundred miles an hour, um, maybe it is better to do that and then bring on Son later. Um, once the game is sort of, you know, mellowed out a little bit. Yeah. I mean that I, I'm of the opinion that we should bench Son for the next game. Not in the sense that he, I don't think that if he started, he would offer nothing, but purely in the sense that we start with something slightly different uh, with Richarlison there. And then we have that kind of um, more physical um, overbearing presence initially. And then if how, however Richarlison goes, then it's like, we're going to bring on Son at 50 or 60 minutes, which is huge. And in terms of teams starting slowly, waiting for them to tie themselves out, like that is a um, a great feature of that if you can have Son then trying to make runs in behind. Um, but I also just, like Conte looks so frustrated with him. <laughs> um, it's very funny. But I don't think that that frustration, you know, I don't think that it it means that he's like, oh, Son's terrible now. Oh, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't stand this guy. Just seems like... It, he's frustrated because he's contained every emotion that he feels is uh, amplified 10 million times. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> which is also, you know, in, in some of the goals that we've scored at this, uh, you know, so far this season, you've seen like Conte cab <laughs> doesn't even celebrate. Obviously he celebrated the Chelsea sort of results, but like, you know, we score, you get the header and then he just turns around and walks back to the bench. And it's mm. just like, you can see there's that frustration, which he's just like, yeah, okay, fine, finally. But mm. it's not that big sort of joyous moment because overall he's still not happy with how the sort of the mm. team has been playing. Um, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. So after this game uh, on the weekend, I watched the Fulham-Brentford game. Mm-hmm. Um, just because hey, this might be in- interesting to watch. And oh my goodness, they go at it. <laughs> like, mm. And so it's kind of like, I feel like we're adding those two teams to the list of like teams that we might have similar scenarios um, against where the the first halves especially are going to be pretty hectic. Um, mm. And yeah, we're, we're going to have some, some battles on our hands there. And I, I think Leeds as well, it looks like they're back into that mindset a little bit because I saw them um, uh, against Chelsea for a little bit. And mm. it's like, there are quite a lot of high intensity teams <laughs> in the league this season, it seems. I watched that game and was just sort of in constant disbelief at A, how bad Chelsea were. I was like, what What was last week? What the hell was that? <laughs> and then also at how good Leeds were and how effective their pressing was and how I was like, this is going to last, this is going to last 20 minutes. They can't do this. But they monstered them. They absolutely monstered them. Um, they were helped, of course, for the first goal by uh, Mendy <laughs> doing whatever the hell he was trying to do. Um, but yeah, they they looked great, and it was it was fantastic to see Tuchel get very upset. I, I'm very confused about the red cards at the end of the Chelsea Tottenham game. Oh yeah, so as in, what's the final result from those? Yeah, yeah. So Conte not suspended, Tuchel suspended, but um, 
Tushel, Tushel's suspension was suspended because I think that they're allowed to appeal, which is why he was on the sideline for the game on the weekend. Uh-huh. So I would assume that it's probably going to be resolved by next game mm. and he wouldn't be on the sidelines and that the yeah. whatever yeah. suspension he has comes in. But both were fined. Conte and Tuchel were both fined, you know, however much. Um, mm. But, yeah, they, they rescinded um, Conte's red card because I think they they probably acknowledged, oh, Antonio started some stuff earlier in the game, but the the incident at the end, I think they put down to Tuchel. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the weird gripper. logic. Yeah, the gripper. The claw hand. <laughs> look at me in my damn eyes. Look at me in my eyes. Who was it that he didn't look in the eyes and it caused a right? Was it Sean Dyche or someone? I think it was Dyche, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is so funny that then he's like, I got in trouble for that and so now I'm going to go crazy if it does happen to me. <laughs> totally. He's such, he's, the more I think about it, he's so weird. Oh, he's, he's so, such he's a such weird, a worm. He's <laughs> He's such a weird dude. And just seeing him on the sidelines as well, it's like, oh, he's just, I feel like he's trying to like sell drugs to the players. Like, yeah, he's got, he's got a weird vibe. He's got weird energy. He's got like mm. this really weird shady energy. Um, I'm, I'm really not a fan of him at all. And it's, I mean, it's so glorious to see Chelsea lose. And mm. I mean, there, there have been some really interesting results this weekend. Like uh, Manu beating Liverpool, didn't see that coming. Liverpool are in a bit of a slide. Yeah, well, I was saying to um, my housemate Cam that that's because they can only use the asthma medication like every second year, yeah. and so this year they don't have use of it because it's it's they've got too much of a resistance. So yeah. now they're going to be bad this year. Oh, we don't have any more prescriptions left for you. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> You'll just have to try and run it out naturally. Yeah, or oh, we can't. <laughs> it's too much. Um, I'm. Uh, it's like on one hand. Great, Liverpool are, you know, being brought back into the pack, but I really don't want Man U to springboard off that result. Um, no, I don't think they will. Yeah, there's um, a few too many problems to fix there. Few too many problems. Plus, if they keep on leaving Ronaldo out, he's going to crack it at some point, um, which I can't wait for. But, yeah, I I mean, maybe I, I really don't want to go on about this too much because I feel like if I keep on talking about it, they're going to win the league. And I'll be like, they're not a threat. They're whatever. And then they'll have, they won't lose for the rest of the season. So I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. They, it was mm. interesting to see Newcastle and Man City draw. Yeah. Yeah. Three else. So Man City, I, I don't know, stumbling a little bit as well. And um, yeah, being very well aware that we are a Spurs podcast and not a general Premier League podcast, but mm. we're here now. Uh, it was yep. interesting to see Highland has got like eight touches in that game, I think. <laughs> Um, and they were going on about quality and quantity and all that sort of thing. And that maybe made, and I guess this brings us back full circle into Spurs Wolves. Um, but looking into like, you know, we only had 11 shots on target to their 20, sorry, shots to their 20. And we had four on target and three on target for them. And I guess like we we're saying earlier about Chelsea, like, you know, we're still scoring goals, even though the other teams are having more shots than we are. So mm. I wonder if there was, you know, I think there's a big difference between us, say, not getting a shot in a half or only having one shot in a half compared to when that happened under Nuno. Yeah. Because under Nuno, it seemed like there was just absolutely nothing going on. Whereas here, mm. it's like maybe we're too caught up in just trying to play, you know, specific automations and play in a very specific way 
that mm. it's not really necessarily resulting in quantity of shots at the moment, but we're still managing to convert something, even if that is also from set pieces right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The best signing of the summer, our beautiful new set piece coach. Gianni, 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 what have you done? Gianni. Mr. Vio. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what did you think of Perisic? So I, I, sorry, I was just going to say, like we've upgraded uh, Giardi from like a little smurf that runs around the training ground to now Mr. Vio. Mr. Vio, yeah. Intelligent. Intelligent. <laughs> kind. Mr. Ruthless. Vio, your spa is ready for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Perisic. Yeah, this was, I was really impressed with Perisic because I, I, I feel like you just saw it, it's like, you know, Ivan Perisic, like all action man. Like he was jumping around a lot. He's like tall. He, I mean, this doesn't make him sound like a good player, but I mean this in a really positive way that he's like. He was, he was just, you know, <laughs> bouncing around, <laughs> big smile. Big smile. Um, people think I'm just talking about an absolute idiot, but uh, he was like really kind of active and I feel like. Yeah, it was really good to see. Like, he challenges for a lot in the air. And I think I was reading something talking about, like, you know, Conte's profile of player. And, like, the, you know, Perisic is just, he couldn't be more in fitting in that profile of, like, a tall player who's strong, physical, and also just has a really, really good engine. Mm. Um, which then made me start seeing other players in our squad in a slightly different light. Like, it made me look at Emerson and go, well, he's tall. He's got a really, really good engine. Are they the things that Conte likes more about him than, say, you know, the 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 weaknesses that we talk about um, mm. of not being like able to go one on one and that sort of thing? So even though Perisic does have that ability to attack and um, a little bit better, it just seems like, you know, if if Conte had his way, would he would he get like just eleven Perisic's on the on the pitch? <laughs> yeah, maybe you would. I reckon it would be 10 and uh, Romero. So <laughs> there's a Perisic playing in goal, but um, yeah. <laughs> Romero is also there. I thought you were going to go, oh, yeah. No, I'm like, yeah, fair. Yeah, goalkeeper, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, but it's like, no, no Romero. <laughs> Perisic would be, I'm sure he would be a great goalkeeper. I mean, he's already like a, you know, professional grade volleyball player. So yeah. if we had a scenario where, remember, like, you know, years ago when Harry Kane had to go in goals and mm. the game and conceded. It's like if Perisic had to, if, if we had someone that needed to go in, I'm sure Perisic would be the one to jump in. And I think yeah. he would do a fantastic job. Yeah, I think he would too. <laughs> um, I felt that in the first half, I was a little bit underwhelmed, but I was underwhelmed with the whole team. And then in the second half, I was like, oh, oh yeah, this guy's good. This guy's really good. <laughs> um and it'll be interesting to see, does he start again next week? Does Sessegnon then start after being left out? Well, not, you know, he's on the bench. Um, yeah. I wonder what his kind of, like if, if Conte prefers him, how often is he going to play? Yeah. Well, is it from next week as well? Like it's, I mean, if it's not next week, it must be the week after where we start playing two games a week. Mm. Um, so... It might be interesting to see then. It's like who, if there is some sort of preference based on who we're playing, um, or if, yeah, if he decides to go, hey, you know, Perisic is actually my boy, <laughs> so I'm gonna mm -hmm. 
preference him and Cess is definitely, you know, um, is his successor and sort of to play sort of, you know, behind him. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've got absolutely no idea. Cause I, I thought we'd probably see Perisic earlier in, especially in the Chelsea game. I, I thought like, oh, this is a perfect game to start Perisic. Um, and mm. we don't see that. And then we see him come on and start against Wolves. And I thought, oh, maybe they might put Sessegnon on and just get him to like, you know, <laughs> run like crazy in that first half. And then Perisic comes on later for a bit more guile. Um, so I, I've really got no idea at this stage what, <laughs> what, what Conte is thinking and if he does, you know, have a preference in his mind. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we've definitely got the idea of the preference on the right-hand side, which is Emerson Royale, um, which is fascinating um, because all reports suggested that he was on his way out. Conte didn't like him. I did. I haven't been, obviously, opening day, thought he was great. I thought he was better than against Chelsea this week, but still, like, I wasn't blown away. Um, how did you How did you rate his performance? Yeah, I I thought he was, I thought he was okay. I, I guess, and and this is where it 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 was something where I started looking at him in a new light and trying to go, okay, if if Conte keeps playing him and keeps starting him, what are the benefits that he really really sees? Mm. And <clears throat> it just made me think, like, okay, maybe because we also see like what seems to happen down the right is, and you know, from some astute tactical breakdown, um, it seems that. Um, you know, Emerson doesn't try and beat the man. Preferably when he does try and get up the line, he likes to cut it back into Kulisevsky, who's cutting in on his left. And mm. then Kulisevsky is in that really like, I, I want to call it the triple threat position. And I don't know why. <laughs> I feel like it's more of a Singing, dancing, term. and acting. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he gets to the edge of the box and he can sing. He can dance. dance. He can act. He's a Hugh Jackman, yeah. one-man show. Look at He's him He's unbelievable. Have you seen Les Mis? Well, you should watch him because he can do all the songs. <laughs> he really is the greatest showman. He is the greatest showman. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's like Kulisewski cutting in. That's where he seems to be most dangerous. So I just wonder if the plan is like, if Conte's like, hey, Emerson, I don't want you, to, don't you dare take anyone on. Um, mm. you're just to get into the corner, then kick it back to Decky. That's all you do. Mm. That's your job. That's all I want you to do. I could be being far too kind to Emerson here, but I, I don't, I don't know at this stage because Conte does seem to like him and someone like Doherty seems co completely out of the rotation. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. And, and then Spence doesn't even make the bench. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we're going to see very much of him. But it's wild, you know, because Doherty, prior to the injury, sort of was re uh, rejuvenated and uh, it seemed like he was first choice. And this season, we've barely seen him. Um, maybe he's been hampered by that injury or Conte just, he just likes the new flavour of the month. I, I, who knows? We, Lucas is his little, you know, if someone comes on for Emerson, it's like, um, you've got Doherty. Uh, Gaffo, me, want me to warm up? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, Matt, no. <laughs> yeah. You'll pick your movie for next week with Harry and Eric. It's, uh, yeah. You're not warm up at all. Yeah, no, I I, I think I'll bring on Luke. Yeah, Lucas. <laughs> uh, uh, um, oh, so are you taking a midfielder off? Um, it's me, Basuma. Do you think I'll go into the middle? I'm thinking Lucas. <laughs> I'm thinking Lucas. Uh, Hugo mm. looks tired out there. 
maybe. <laughs> oh, it's me, Fraser Foster. Hey, um, oh, boss, you want me to come on? <laughs> no, I'm thinking maybe Lucas. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's almost inevitable at some point. He'll and it's lost the um, predictability of like Lucas coming on for Decky or say Son or whatever. It's now just like. Who does he come on? Who knows? He seems to come on at any point for anyone. <laughs> totally. And like, we could see something completely bonkers. Like, let's say Romero's back and then he goes down and then, oh, it's me, Davidson. Um, boss, do you want me to come on? <laughs> no, we've got to, we play Lucas there for yeah. <laughs> He's tiny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, and it could work. Like, if Conte's like, yes, he's a beautiful header of the ball, Lucas. And mm. we'd be like, yeah, that's accurate. Mm. He is a beautiful yeah. header of the ball. At a stretch, he could go back there and try and clear some uh, clear some crosses that come in. So, can you imagine Lucas at centre back? I it would be <laughs> the worst. Well, I mean, look, man, you have gone and done it with uh, Lissandra Martinez <laughs> and five foot nine. Yeah, that's true. They've got their own <laughs> Lucas. Um, and like five foot nine. I wonder what is the shortest centre back that's ever played in the Premier League. Hmm. Um, mm. I feel like Mas- Mascherano, I think he was playing defensive midfield for Liverpool and then moved to centre-back for, for Barca. But I can't think of any other short centre-backs. It doesn't really seem to cut it in the Prem. But maybe Lucas could go out there and start a trend. And then we're talking about Conte wanting all these big physical players. But apart from centre-back, he just starts buying the shortest players possible. <laughs> With the biggest jumps. With the biggest jumps. <laughs> How did you think um, Sanchez? I saw something on Twitter that was like Tottenham having conceded in seven hours with Sanchez on the pitch, which is a very dodgy statistic because it's like, well, when was he on? Who did we play against? Like <laughs> <laughs> these games are over four years. This period, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I felt. I mean, I personally felt he played pretty well. I hate that. It's Romero down and then we go to Sanchez. Like I just think I would I was thinking that he would move he'd play someone else on the right, or he'd either move Dyer to the right, uh play Davies through the middle or something, and then play long uh long lay. But no, Sanchez got the nod and um he just his like he did some good th- he did a great block, which has been um filtered around the internet. But like Apart from that, like, oh, my God, his possession play is terrible. Yeah, see, I actually thought Sanchez was okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, I thought he was, in general, and in in terms of, like, how he played, I thought he was pretty good. I'm just, I just noticed a few times that it was like, oh, God, if I think maybe it's like, oh, if Romero was there, the ball's not going to bounce off his leg. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe it's because we've got Romero there and it's like, you know, we're talking about a world-class centre-back, then when we don't have Romero, there's such a drop-off to anyone that it's going to be yeah. sort of challenging. So I, I was thinking about this too, and I actually don't mind if we have Sanchez who is there at, he's our backup right centre-back. I was just trying to think like, who would be a better backup that we would find and be able to bring in? Um, and I'm just not sure unless there is a younger player who we are sort of looking to develop. It's like, I feel like we could get away with having Sanchez there as the backup in that position for another season. Like, Mm. um, yeah, if you said, oh, look, we can, we can upgrade Sanchez and get, 
you know, such and such who's going to come in and, and who's going to be more solid. Then I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. If they're going to be someone who's also better on the ball, can carry it forward more, of course. Um, but I think that we can get away with Sanchez for this season um, if he's not playing that regularly. If Romero was out for a while, then, yeah, I think there would be some concerns um, with Sanchez playing week in, week out um, in that position, especially if it was against a team that is a little bit more competent going forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's my worry where it's like, what if Romero does his hamstring and is out for six weeks? We've got two games a week, and so it's 12 games with Sanchez there. Um, that's a problem where you'd hope that there'd be some shuffling maybe so that that doesn't happen. But if it's the occasional, like he comes on for Romero or it's one game, you know, like that's fine, I guess. But I just long-term, a bit scary. Hello there, a bit Spursy listener. It's me, Barney. And me, Dan. And we are here to tell you some fantastic news. We have started a free Discord to which you can go on and chat all things Tottenham Hotspur and other related concepts. <laughs> yeah, to join that, uh, head to discord.gg slash a bit Spursy. That's correct. We also now have a Patreon to which you can pay for Spurs-related content. <laughs> and, it sounds like a scam. It's not a scam here. It's, it's not a scam. We're not scamming. We're not scamming. It's, uh, look, we, we love, uh, you know, creating this podcast and there's a whole bunch of other things that we want to do with some streams, uh, some watch-alongs and, and these sort of bits and pieces. If you would like to help us out and support us there, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be able to create more Spurs, Spurs content and uh, sort of have fun doing that. So if you'd like to do that, uh, please head to patreon.com slash a bit Spurs. Uh, the more of you that are on the Patreon, the less time I have to spend in the coal mine, which is my job. <laughs> so let's get Barney out of the coal mine. And uh, yeah, all links can be found uh, on our website at abitspursy.com. Well, it seems like we hate Tanganga now, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What's the deal there? He's he's done. He's absolutely done. Because you would think like, okay, naturally as a profile, he probably profiles a bit closer to Romero than Sanchez does. Um, but it just seems like Conte is not interested mm. at all. Um, and yeah, like we're trying to offload him. And it's interesting, like all the rumors about offloading is like the club want to permanently sell him. They're not accepting just loans. They're like, yeah. no, we want, you have to permanently buy him. So mm. it seems like Conte is pretty clear in what he thinks about Tanganga. Um, mm. And yeah, like I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like, you know, there's roughly a week or so left of the transfer window. I wouldn't be surprised if we do see one or two more players come in. I think we could end up having no one else come in, of course, but it wouldn't surprise me now that we finally shipped out a bunch of the players that we were trying to move. Um, mm. And I feel like if you've got one, like a Tanganga, and then like, you know, there's another defender that came up that could possibly play right. Like, you know, I don't think the club would go, well, we've still got Tanganga on the books. So let's not worry about it. Um, I think they would still make that move if that's something they were looking at, given that, um, and, and Dombele's eight, eight billion pounds a week is now gone from, mm. from the wages. So what is the, so I know he's gone to Napoli and it's a loan with an uh, option to buy or is it a loan with an obligation to buy? Do you o know? Option, unfortunately. 
I think it's a 1 million euro loan or something and then a 25 million euro uh, option to buy. Right. Okay. Oh, I hope he I hope he plays well for Napoli. I feel, take him. I feel like in those things, Paratici just would have been like, all right, and uh, obligation to buy, of course. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, look, ob- obligation and option is very similar. <laughs> yeah. We might as well just make it an obligation to buy. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I feel like it was similar to the Delhi thing where it was like, you can have him. Yeah. You can just have him. And, you know, if he plays, you can pay us. If he doesn't play, well, then I guess, uh, yeah, you don't pay us. But um, you pay his wages, though. That's the most important thing. Yeah, you pay Where... the wages. It, it's Yeah, it is funny with the deli thing. It's it's like if you get, <laughs> hey, here's a TV. If you watch it, pay us. If you watch it for a certain mm. amount of hours, pay us. Uh, if not, you don't have to pay us anything. But if <laughs> you sell it, don't be cheeky. Don't you be cheeky. If you sell it, <laughs> then you have to give us some money. Yeah. Um. And it's, it's such a weird move for Delhi, but also well, I think the weirdest thing I find now is that just no one was going in for him in like mm. any of the top like six leagues. Yeah. Um, like it's a big drop off for, yeah, for, from where he was like a couple of seasons ago. Um, mm. and I'm not sure if we, I'm not sure if we spoke about this last week or if the news had gone through by then. Um, but. Yeah, it's like it's a it's a huge drop off where he's going because I don't think he's even playing in Europe. No, he's going to Turkey, isn't that? Yeah, he's going well, to well, Besiktas. I don't know if it's confirmed, but that was the rumor that he's going to. Um, and I can't remember the name of the club now. Besiktas. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's to me that that speaks of maybe a judgment not only of his footballing uh, ability as of late, but it also to me says if we get this guy with the intention of being like we'll we'll get him back on track we don't believe that we can um and i don't know whether that's a um something like a psychological thing with him or it's just that clubs are like no we're not touching that because of how he's performed i don't know but yeah not good no because Besiktas finished seventh last year in turkey (laughs) so I would get it if it was like, oh, it's Galatasaray or they're playing Champions League. They're doing that. Okay, cool. Mm. Like, you get that. But it's, um, I don't know, there's probably a Besiktas fan going to be like, oh, excuse me, we're playing in the Conference League. Don't forget about yeah. that. It's like, okay, apologies <laughs> if that's the case. But I'm pretty sure they're not playing in anything. Um, so, yeah, I really wonder, like, this almost seems like it would be absolutely prime to make a documentary on it. So mm. if you're like a freelance documentarian, like, maybe hit up Delhi go over to Turkey with him for like a year and you're either going to have an incredible redemption story um, or I think you're probably then just going to be, I don't know, filming something that ends up being quite sad and what happens if this move doesn't work out for him? Like do we, does Delhi retire like super, super early? Um, mm. I can't see him being the player who then ends up keeping on going down the leagues and then ends up going to try and make some money in like Qatar or something or um yeah, it's kind of like it's it's quite sad when you think about it in terms of like when he signed for us, where he where he was, and mm. you know, um, just you know, even his first season, like how he was playing, um, to this scenario now where it's like just struggling to find a, a club. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we'll ever know what if there was any kind of determinate 
moment or factor that was, you know, uh, either causing or was correlated with a huge drop off in form. Um, but I'd love to know if there was one, what it, what it was. Um, because just as his sort of star, you know, it was like peaking and he's one of the most famous footballers and blah, 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 blah. It just as quickly sort of uh, went out. The the flame, I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors. <laughs> the flame went out, the star, it, it turned off. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. And uh, to me, like, I think it's like, you know, it's lazy analysis too. Some people are just like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's simple, mate. He just got interested in fashion and going to clubs. That's all it was. <laughs> Young lad got uh, got mixed in with the high life. And I'm like, I don't, mm. I don't really think that's it because I think like so many young players get, um, you know, get their heads turned at various situations mm. in that, but then they kind of like, you know, course correct from there. Um, and by all accounts, like you know, Delhi, even if that was the case at some stage theoretically. It's like, you know, he did at least, he was trying to knuckle down definitely last season. Mm. Um, but it, it just seems, yeah, it'd be really interesting to, to, to find out. We're probably going to find out at the end of his career when there's, mm. you know, some, some biography that comes out or there's this documentary that we're... <laughs> we're yeah. Um, yeah. Guess who hosts the documentary? Adele. Adele. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. So, um, all right. Mm. So Adele, you've, you've actually got to move to Turkey for a year. <laughs> You're going to host Delhi documentary. <laughs> oh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> great Adele. Great Adele. Perfect Adele. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's also, wait, that's probably not going to get her on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, true. Um, oh sure. I don't mind. Um, whatever. I'm Adele. I'm the best. That will. Her agent That'll plays it to her now. It's like, don't worry, Adele. They said a good thing afterwards. Listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll go on the podcast. Okay, I'll go on it. Um, the question I've been dying to ask you is um, the midfield. Bendenker and um, Hoybier, there has been continued discourse <laughs> around the quality of Pierre. It is so boring and tiresome. I just don't, I, I like probably everyone want to see more of Basuma, but I also don't think that Pierre-Emile Hovier is the worst footballer in the world. Um, yeah, it's so bizarre. I just don't understand why he's become the scapegoat. I don't get it. I think it's because our good friend Barty from the X-Range, <laughs> who... Spoiler alert, is going to be on an upcoming episode <laughs> with us, <laughs> which we can ask him directly about it. Um, you know, a lot of people listen to that. And I honestly think people just listen to that and get a hot take and go from there. I I'm not saying everyone comes from that angle, but I think there are a lot of people which just parrot hot takes that they hear on a podcast. Um, mm. I don't know if anyone's parroting our hot takes. <laughs> no one is. <laughs> no. Hey, no. hey what, what you guys reckon about Adele? How's how's about this? Oh, <laughs> get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you get that? Oh, but Spursy is great. Uh, I don't think anyone's doing that. So, but do you guys reckon that the Paratici lives in the upside down from <laughs> Stranger Things? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, what you guys reckon about? <laughs> Does Daniel Levy really have a sauna that he goes to and just like oils up every morning? Does he really have a, a Lego man of every person in the squad that he plays with in his office? Trent, Trent, no, mate. Just 
All these takes are bloody weird. Oh, uh, you know, we should start, you know how there's those like aggregator accounts and some of them have associated like websites <laughs> and they're the worst websites in the world. Yeah. And they'll have like the most ridiculous rumours on them uh, with no sources. We should just start one of those with the stuff that we want to spread. <laughs> I think we do. A- ABS News. Yeah, ABS News. We'll start ABS News. Mm. Um, I'm dead serious about this. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll just be absolute stupidity. Um, yeah. And we'll see what we can get off the ground. I'm sure some people, because, you know, how much certain people just absolutely hate Daniel Levy, mm. they would see something of like, yeah, that's about right. Of course the weirdo does plays with his little Lego men on his desk like a bloody freak. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet he's made those Legos out of gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. How about your investor in the team, Daniel? <laughs> um, hey, well, look, you'll, you'll see soon on, um, mm, on, ABS, on ABS News. News. Um, I feel like there was a point in here. Hoivier, Hoivier, Hoivier and Basuma <laughs> yeah. and Bentecourt and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like you said, it's like it's the discourse around it is just so boring now. Because mm. it seems like, to me, it's almost in like real conspiracy theory territory where no matter what you say to anyone who's anti-Pierre, they just refuse <laughs> to like mm. take anything on board. Like they'll just be like, oh, he's, oh, Pierre's absolutely rubbish. He doesn't ever mm. progress the ball. And you're like, oh, if you actually look at the progression stats, he's pretty mm. good. He's better than Bentecourt in terms of progressing the ball. Mm. Oh, don't show me stats. Oh, mm. I don't care for stats. I look at the game with my eyes. Mm. And it's like, okay, great. Well, what's the conversation here then? It's like you can't keep bringing up facts, you know, that you think are facts, which is just completely wrong. Mm. And then when someone goes, no, actually he, he, he did this well. He does this. He's scored this many goals. He's got these assists. He makes these passes. And then you just ignore them because you just are looking for a scapegoat to blame. And it's like, Pierre is the constant player that we've had in this team the whole time. So it's easy just to go, well, everything's Pierre's fault. Everything's Pierre's Mm. fault. And I'm like, I'm so done with this topic because it's like, again, like to me, Pierre, I thought he played really well in this game. You sent me a mm. clip as well, which was like a, a, a little 20 second thing from this. And it's like, it's showing Pierre getting the ball moving, getting all over the place, playing some really nice passes. And it's just a, like, where, why does this keep happening? Why does this discussion keep happening? I'm sure you probably have like also a take from a psychological perspective. Like why mm. do people think like need to have someone on our team that they just hate and just <laughs> lash into? Mm. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, oftentimes, I mean, there's always some kind of scapegoat that bears the brunt of uh, frustrations from a supporter base. I just think it's, the, for me, the bizarre thing is that Pierre just seems like such an unlikely candidate for that. So he's passionate. He um, is constantly running. He um seems like he cares a lot like all of his features to me are like this is someone that a fan base would love and instead we're getting the opposite where um people roast him for everything that he does um and pull apart the the moments where he makes an error and then forget about anything that he does that is good and i i just don't know I mean, I don't know why it's the case, but I wonder whether they'll, it'll reach a tipping point, maybe, because it hasn't yet. It's just kind of bubbled along. If it reaches a tipping point of um, 
we hate him, he's the worst, eventually we'll get the um, Sissoko effect where it'll swap and then it will be like, he's actually awesome, he's the goat, blah, 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 blah. So what kind of needs to happen almost is that we need to get so overblown in our, uh, our dis, uh, how much we despise him so that then we can have this, like, counter, like, he's awesome and then people people go along with it because it's sort of a new trend as opposed to feeling like their um, ability to analyse football games is being attacked when someone says, well, actually, he's um, quite a good passer and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, do, I, I thought it was done and it's back. So... It, it, the other funny thing, the irony of it, is it's a bunch of dudes arguing over one of the fittest, strongest, most powerful footballers in the world <laughs> who could probably crush your head with his hands. <laughs> he's no good. He's he's a moron. He's so bad. It's like, well, <laughs> he's not. <laughs> like, uh, it's ridiculous. Totally. And I, I think I like what you said with... Um... Like he's also he's such a likable character too. So it's not that yeah. he's just like an asshole, but it just feels like people are just trying to find any reason they can to dislike the guy. So it's like if yeah. if we were hanging out and Pierre comes down, hey boys, bought some beers for you, and then yeah. he goes to the kitchen. We're like, oh, this wanker bought lagers, and oh, I don't like lagers. Yeah. What a dickhead. Yeah, not these beers, Pierre. <laughs> this is piss. Yeah. We knock it off. And he's like, oh. Oh, let no. me clean that up for you guys. Don't know. <laughs> Someone must have knocked this over by accident. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got some pizzas coming. Do you have a dust pan and brush so I can avoid getting glass on my hand? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, did you yeah. see how he picked those up before? What an idiot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who cleans up? Yeah. It is at that level, though, where it's like anything he does, it's like, oh, who does a video with a charity? Yeah. Loser. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that's what annoys me. Like, if you can just dislike a player, that's fine. But it's at this, like, patholo- psychologically pathological level um, that is not based in any logic or any observation of reality. Um, the, the one thing that I... I think people get annoyed by the pointing, by him pointing and saying, you know, you go there, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But it's also like we don't know whether his job is to organise the structure for the front half and he's doing that or the opposite, which is sort of read as, is that Conte is like, stop pointing. No one wants you to point. He's like, I love to point. <laughs> and he just goes out there and just does all this pointing and all the place like, stop it. I don't control my hands. My hands control me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, but it's such a weird thing. It's like, why do people choose to like get up and like hate that? Like, it's just so weird to be watching the team that we support and then go, I hate this guy because he points. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's so odd. Like, I've never heard anyone say that before, uh, apart from about Pierre. Um, mm. And it's like, okay, well, what about if we go back to the Champions League final against Liverpool? Like, why is that handball given? Sissoko is pointing at a defender going, <laughs> cover, that way, right? Yeah. I've never seen a Spurs fan going, oh, why did Sissoko point? What, a, <laughs> yeah. what an idiot for pointing. We're all just like, that is not a handball and it should never mm. have been a penalty. And it's not a handball and it should never have been a penalty. But yeah. it's so it's just so odd because it's like, maybe that's where the, the, the 
the Hoybier haters have reverted back to. They've retreated. And so now it's like, well, hey, guys, well, the stats, we can't argue the stats anymore because the stats are pretty bloody good. All right. The stats mm. are bloody up there with some one of the best central midfielders in the league, right? Um, what else have we got? Any other suggestions of something we can jump on? Oh, I don't like the pointing. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> great, let's go with got that. Him. <laughs> yeah. We got him. We got him. There's like a, a hierarchy of, of evidence when you're writing. This is a very basic hierarchy. So the first thing is anecdotal evidence, which is just, I saw Pierre point, I didn't like it. And then I tell people about it, right? Then there's uh, sort of hearsay where it's like, I've heard other people talk about the fact that Pierre points and I don't like it, right? And they said they don't like it and I don't like it either. And then the, the next level is um, empirical evidence. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, don't put those numbers in front of me, you nerd. And like, if you just exist in that continuum, then sure. Like you can just resist any counter argument. Yeah. But it, it, but then it, it's just so, I, I just, I find it so, so weird. And it is, yeah. Like, it's like, it's going on the offensive. Oh, you bloody laptop nerd. Get out of here. Get your little graph away from me. I don't care about XG. Yeah. And like, well, I mean, Conte bloody does because Pierre just plays the whole time. I think it's it's also um, like something you touched on at the start of this. Like we'd all like to see Basuma start playing more, and he will once he you know learns Conte's system. Um, but Pierre's been there since Conte's began. Um, mm. He knows Conte's system quite well, and I think the other thing that happens is like we just still, as a fan base, cannot get over. Moussa Dembele leaving <laughs> yeah, yeah. or Christian Eriksen, whoever you want to put in there. But I feel mm. like it, in this case, it's probably like Dembele is the, like the maybe like for like in the sense of that similar position. Um, mm. But then also we just still want to moan about not having, um, not having Eriksen anymore, not having a, you know, attacking midfielder, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, we, we never speak and go, Hey Conte, what do you want in your bloody team? Because the way that we're playing, it's like, cool, we've got those, you know, you could effectively say there are four players there, the two central midfielders, the wingbacks, mm. right? A good Conte team, it's like, sure, maybe you're going to have like, you want two world-class players in four of those positions. Mm. And it's like, I think if we have our wingbacks not really firing at 100%, providing us with that, you know, thrust down the wings, we easily just seem that we just want to blame as much as possible on Pierre in the middle. And we think that just changing... And bringing in Basuma is going to fix that. And but honestly, I don't even know if Basuma and Pierre are like the players that Conte has in his mind to to pick. So it could very well be like he's going to go, hey, I'm, I'm Benton Kerr and Basuma are the ones that I kind of want to interchange there, and it's Skip and Hoybear is the ones that I look in that position to change. So it just is like so much energy is spent on people just getting angry at this dude, even after we win, even after he <laughs> scores in a game against Chelsea and, and we draw and have this wonderful, like wonderful result at the end. I just, I'm so baffled why people would just still continue hating on this dude when there's just no need to, no one is forcing you. No one's going, you must choose a Spurs player to hate. Yeah. Yeah. No one is being like, so you can like the team and you can enjoy uh, the journey and, you know, you really get around the fan base. But there is a requirement that you have to hate someone so much that you want to drink their blood. Yeah. Um, so which which player will that be? Like you just can just be like, you can even just be like, I dislike this person. <laughs> it doesn't mean. Totally. It doesn't mean it's like there's no one. Yeah. Like new club rule. Everyone has to have a Haiti. 
Who's your yeah. Haiti that you hate? Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's uh, based on nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no stats allowed in this debate. <laughs> it's it's like I I really I, I don't know when this is going to end. Like, what does Pierre have to do? I, we have to win the league. Yeah. For like, and then even still, people are going to be like, "Oh, well, we would have won it sooner if Pierre wasn't in the middle." Yeah, Pierre, we would have won it double yeah. if Pierre wasn't there. We would they would have given us two cups, yeah. just one, I guess. Ugh. Totally. And the thing which I think this kind of leads into is talking about like Bentancur a little bit is what I find so bizarre is in this game, like you cannot convince me that Bentancur had a better game than Hoybier. Yeah, no chance. But people are out there going like, Hoybier rubbish. Oh, Benton Kerr, what a midfielder. What an absolute mm. midfielder. And I like Benton Kerr. So this is not to yeah, like so shut him down, talk him down. But like there just for even people now to just be like, like, oh, Benton Kerr was so wonderful and excellent. Hoybier was rubbish in this game. It's like <laughs> your agenda is so ridiculous now that it's like, great, you like Benton Kerr, we like Benton Kerr, we all like him. Great, awesome. But objectively, he was not better than Pierre <laughs> in yeah. this game. He just wasn't. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating where he becomes this, uh, like shining beacon in the midfield for some people. <laughs> it's like, what, what? Like I watched him, we conceded a chance cause he lost the ball. I remember yeah. that happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, uh, maybe. Oh, totally. <laughs> you sure that wasn't Pierre? Yeah. It's just, and it's like last game in the, the Chelsea game. It's like, well, Pierre scored that goal. Yeah, but where did that play start, really? That was from Benton Kerr's tackle uh, on Havertz, wasn't it? So that's really Benton Kerr's goal there. So yeah. I'm going to – I've got my own alternate notebook where I, I I write down the real facts as they are and the real stats, and I'm going to give that goal to Benton Kerr. Benton Kerr won, Hoybier nothing. Yeah, yeah. it's like – I mean, yeah. I mean, why don't we take it even back further? Who kicked the ball off? Because they were the one that probably actually started the goal. So yeah. – you know, oh, I was actually Hoybier who, who did that. Uh, oh, but who gave him the ball? Oh, it was a yeah. Benton, it was Benton Kerr, was it? So that's that's back to Benton Kerr once more. Yeah, that is back to him. That's back to him. So, um, great. Okay, mark that off. Very good. It is in like I honestly it would not surprise me if like you know we get to playing Arsenal. It's North London derby. Um, you know, oh, what's ninetieth minute? It's nil nil. And then, you know, Pierre goes on a break, blow up, you know, scores, puts it away. And there'll be people there like, yeah, you know what, bloody, let's, I'll put a hand up. That was offside, wasn't it? We should really, (laughs) that goal was offside. Pierre was offside when he scored that. I think we'll just finish this as a draw. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's going to get to that sort of level where it's like, Uh. (laughs) it's, it's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is the most ridiculous Mm. thing I can remember being a Spurs fan of like when we've had a player who is objectively doing good work on the pitch Mm. and just people hate them and absolutely Mm. loathe this player. And I can't remember another player who we've had a similar thing like that where they have been playing, you know, um, so regularly and doing by the stats a good job (laughs) even. Mm. And people just hate them. I can't remember this happening before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of the stats thing I think as well with him is that when you, you're like, look at this, he's actually, you know, got uh, this many progressive passes, he's got this many interceptions, he started this many phases of play, all that kind of stuff. People are like, mm, well, he would, wouldn't he? And you're like, what do you mean? And they're like, 
He manipulates the other players to let him do that. And he just is trying to count up those little statistics, those little beans. And so you, the bean counter, you'll say it on your little bean podcast, right? And then people will go, oh, he's not so bad. Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you he is a football terrorist, okay? A terrorist of beans as well. Like just what are you talking about? I love um, that. I love that so much. Just like the idea of manipulating, like maybe that's where the pointing comes from that someone has actually mm. drawn the link. They're like, no, do you know what it is? He points to get another player to go out the way. So then he gets to receive the ball and make another pass. So he gets another stat. He's obsessed with fantasy football <laughs> and that's why he wants statistics. Yeah. <laughs> some players into Fortnite, but Pierre's more into fantasy football. What if, I feel like it would get so far that it's like, have you seen Harry Potter? Well, guess what? Pierre's, he's got a wand embedded in his hand, yeah. right? And he's casting spells, nasty spells out there. So he gets the ball. He's a witch and a wizard at the same time. He's the worst. He's the worst. I've seen the new books that's come out. It actually reveals that, that Pierre is Voldemort. He's, yeah. he comes back. It's him. It was him all along. Look at it. You can tell by his nose. You can tell by his nose. And you might say Pierre's nose is different from Voldemort's. Well, guess what? Have you heard of nose surgery? Getting a nose job. He's done that. <laughs> and then that stage, you're just like, what is, what, what's happened? The season finished three months ago. <laughs> yeah, what is going on? We're almost into the next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been talking this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy. Like a part of me just wants to go, like, I never want to speak of this ever again. But mm. I, it, it, it infuriates me. So <laughs> we're probably mm. going to speak about this again. Um, what if we... Because I agree, I'm I'm so done. What if we, you know, we've got Paratici watch. Um, you know, it's been difficult since the first one because he's done nothing. <laughs> what if we start best or craziest Pierre take that oh. we can find for the week? And then we read, we do that every week. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Mm. So we've got a new segment. Yeah. Um, what are we calling it? Um... Uh, Pierre's crazy house. I don't know. We can't, <laughs> I don't know. I, we'll think of something. Um, we'll come with something. We'll come with something. Be catchy and you can damn guarantee there'll be a little jingle for it. Um, going bananas <laughs> with Pierre. <laughs> this is behind the scenes content of, uh, yeah. <laughs> people are probably like this. This is really good. I wondered how they come up with those jingles. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just us being like, okay, what about like. Pepper me a Pierre. <laughs> what about Holla Hoy Pierre? <laughs> <laughs> it's just three hours of us saying that, which like, yeah, and we don't get to a result like, at the end. <laughs> no, there's no result. We just at the end go, I'm tired, yeah. and then we go home. <laughs> um, um, keep your ears, pe keep your ears peeled. There'll be a. Uh, did I jump in as you were about to say another name? No. Oh, okay. So I thought it was like, <laughs> oh, I've got it. Are you <laughs> <laughs> paying a Pearson? <laughs> great name sorted. <laughs> mm, name sorted. That's great. Especially good for um, our listeners outside of Australia who don't have the television program. Are you paying attention? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I've never watched. So yeah, I've never watched either. But um, yeah, popular show here. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Should we do? The medal. Oh, most definitely. Mm. Most definitely. We should do the medal. Uh, would you like to kick things off, Barney, with your medal ratings? I would. Uh, have you got the... I'd, the I do. Sorry, you just... Oh, it's it's ridiculous. We were talking about jingles for five minutes, and I'm just, mm. I'm just here like, all right, cool, let's do it. 
Um, <laughs> yep, my bad. It's the Abit Spurs and Metal Man who will get books playing well. Who will get books for playing pretty poorly? The most romantic metal in sports. Okay, I'm ready. The most romantic metal in sports and the most romantic votes about to come from Barney's mouth. Absolutely. Well, my, I mean, surprise, surprise, it's not very exciting. My top vote for this game was uh, Perisic with an 8.5. Romantic vote. (laughs) Very romantic number, 8.5. I noticed, Barney, you've dulled down since week one where you're just like, all right, my vote's Kulsevsky, 10, (laughs) man. (laughs) <laughs> Didn't I give him 9.9 and then last week I gave Romero a 10? Oh, uh, it might have been Romero. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, and I can't give Romero a 10 this week. No, no. Because uh, he didn't play. So uh, just in case you want to Um And then I've got... I, find it, I found it quite hard, mm-hmm. actually, to put together. Like, Perisic was good, but no one else, to me, was a huge standout. Um... I guess the next vote would be, I mean, controversial after what you just said, um, Pierre with eight. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Another. I thought he did great. Very romantic vote. Very romantic. And then I've also got um, another eight uh, for Kulisevsky. That's it. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess on a two again. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair. Um mm-hmm. Fair. Actually, I've got a question about that, which I'll get to mm. after I announce my my top three. Um, so my top three, uh, I I have Perisic top as well with eight point two. Um, yeah, yeah, great game. Uh, I think there's more to come from Perisic, and yeah, he's just what a guy, what a guy. Mm. That little flick on for the to flick it to Kane. Oh, it's like if. <laughs> If if Hoybier does that, people are like, oh, he missed the header, the the dickhead. (laughs) It's because his forehead's one inch too big. Yeah, well, a stupid man missed that bloody (laughs) header, idiot. Whereas when Perisic does it, like, oh, look, he's just absolutely pinpointed that to Cade. But it was great. It was great flick on. Great flick on. And uh, making that run forward and knowing he had a couple of players, it was was Mm. nice. It was nice. Um, And Cade manhandling... um, is it Collins? Collins or Kilman? What? I think it was Collins, uh, maybe. Kilman? Could, could have been Kilman. One of them. They're both yeah. big boys. Um, just manhandled one. So that was um, that was lovely to see. Uh, but Perisic, 8.2. I gave Pierre a 7.9. Because mm-hmm. now, and yeah, am I a bit biased? I don't know. Maybe I am. Who cares? Mm. Uh, no one can stop our vote. So they're happening. Pierre, no. 7.9. Um, <laughs> this would be my defiant act in defense of Pierre to try and <laughs> yeah. engineer him getting the medal. Um, I'll be the one going, Pierre, 10. Pierre, 10. Yeah. Can I just say to the listeners and to you, Dan, everyone is very lucky I didn't just give him 10. Yeah. I thought about it. <laughs> it's like we we could have. <laughs> mm. And it would, it, and no one would stop us. Um, mm. So, yeah, Hoybier 7.9. And I gave Sanchez 7.8. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, because I thought this is a pretty good game for, for Sanchez and 7.8 is fair. Um and I guess this... Okay, this leads into my question. So my question is, for these votes, um, how are we doing it in terms of, like, what is the neutral rating? So in my mind, the neutral rating is just a five. So, like, at the start of the game, it's kind of like, I think, back on Football Manager, 
I don't think it was a five. I think plays were starting a six. Um, yeah, that's what I've been going with. Oh, so six. six. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. then this might change how I, I vote in the future. But mm. okay. So moving forward, six is our neutral vote. So mm -hmm. if a player just plays, does absolutely nothing, and we don't think that's bad. Like we think their role mm. is to do nothing. Um, six. And then, mm -hmm. so five, that's getting into negatives. That's below average. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Mm. No, that's fine. I, I stand by these ones for this week then. Um, and yeah, yeah. Great. Great. Another great session of voting for the most romantic medal in sports. So next week we've got Nottingham Forest. Um, I'm so excited to play a team in a forest. Um, <laughs> Uh, who knows what we're going to get? Is this a different type of football where we play in a forest? Are we playing in a forest like a fairy or a norm? Yeah. I don't I don't <laughs> want to play against norms. They're weird. Norms are weird and you don't know where their hands can go. Yeah, hands, they're, tiny. they're so handsy norms. That's what I norms. Tiny hands, slight touch. You don't you, know what they're doing. You don't know. And you brush past and you're like, what was that? And you're like, oh, it was a gnome. It was a gnome that tried to grab your wee little foot. <laughs> Um, I'm excited to watch that game. I'm obsessed with how their manager looks. Mm -hmm. um, he's got very distinct facial features and his expression. It's what I like about it is he just looks like a reg. He looks like a regular dude, right? Mm -hmm. Whether we've got all these beautiful, you know, like well, suave, um, uh, cosmetically maintained Europeans and, uh, Graham Potter's gone through a, uh, home makeover, and then we've got this dude who literally just looks like a dad. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I've never heard the term cosmetically maintained Europeans before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you describe their aesthetic, uh, just look for mm. me, um, cosmetically maintained European? <gasps> yeah. Oh, <great. laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I understand what you mean. Yeah. You know, Conte's wearing his tight uh, polos. Arteta's probably doing something similar. Pep's wearing um, a jumper suitable for someone who's 14 years old. Um, you know, there's all this stuff. And then this guy is just wearing whatever he finds. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's just there for the full. I, I'm obsessed with him. So what did you say? You said that he's, he's got a very dad-like quality. Mm, mm. Like just neutral dad? No. No. Cool dad? No, no, no. Not cool. Not cool. Crazy Crazy dad. dad. <laughs> yeah. Guess which type of dad this is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I can't wait to see what happens when he meets um, an actual psychopath mm -hmm. in Conte, because uh, he's just a bit of a crazy dad. He's not. He's not like uh, Satan manifest. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, God manifest. I don't know which one Conte is. <laughs> I feel like we need to get all the managers at just like a dad barbecue. And mm. have some hidden camera. This sounds, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, and have some just hidden cameras there so then we can observe and compare. And then we will be able to put like the hierarchy in place, see them It'd in their great. natural environment, see who does go crazy, who gets to that satanic level that you're talking about. Mm. Mm. I mean, Pep's there. So is Klopp. Um, Tuchel's not invited. Surely Tuchel's not invited. No, he's not invited. He can't even come. He's not allowed. <laughs> they would give Tuchel the wrong date. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the wrong house. And he'd just be called, hey, guys, thought it was on uh, Saturday afternoon, but no, we weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> no one was there. It was so annoying. <laughs> um, oh, I can't stand him. Yeah, I can't stand him. Um, this is great. It feels like good. We're, we're getting through a lot of, like, fashion-related fashion, fashion related, uh, 
uh, interactions on our managers so far. Like we've had, you know, Hassan mm. Hoodle's dumb suit, uh, Tushul trying to uh, mimic Conte, then realizing that he has to go back to his lad roots, mm. puts the cap back on. Um, and then Bruno, is it Bruno Large, the Wolves yep. manager? He seems like a nice enough dude. I think he just wore like a boring hoodie or something and like mm, yeah. some pants. But yeah, it's um, I want I want a real crazy crazy manager. Maybe this is the one. Maybe who knows? Mm. Well, I mean, I the one thing that worries me, Dan, is that obviously we you know we had our fun with poor old um, Hassan Hoodle's dress in the first week. Yeah. But I don't know if you've noticed, um, I've been keeping uh, tabs. He has not worn the outfit again. He's worn it for the first day, got absolutely crunched by a Conte team, and then he's ne- he's never worn it again. So it was it's either he's so embarrassed that he can never go back, or he was like, that's my special first day outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. It, it, it kind of looks like the... Um... It looks like the guy's rocked up to the office on his first day at work in in suit, and then he realizes everyone else is just in like smart casual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Hey guys, it's the it's the new guys here, Ralph. Look at it. Yeah. Was well, he in a three piece? Was well, weird. Yeah, it's very strange. You look like the clown from it. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Anyway, I'll be keeping watch. I want to see whether it comes out again. Yeah. Well, there we go. The fashion, mm. the fashion watch will be continues. The fashion watch continues. Well, I think that's us. That's us for this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's um. Yeah. That's everything. It's um. Mm. Yeah. It's uh. It's good. How I, how do you feel overall, Barney? I, I'm feeling pretty good. Seven points. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah. Um. I'm looking forward to um. As soon as Arsenal plays a good team, their fans pulling their own hair out. Um, after they had the easiest run <laughs> to start out of any team, um, so that'll be that's something to look forward to. I saw something about that that, that said that it's like Arsenal don't play a top eight team until like October or something. What? Yeah, it's something where it's like they, they yeah, it's it's something crazy. Like they've got like the easiest start to the season in terms of the average teams that they're playing. I think from our fixtures, it works out we're about middle. We're about middle. Like we have some easy games, mm. some challenging games, but yeah, Arsenal are just, they don't get challenged un- until a couple of months in. So it could be a bit of a false dawn we're seeing here. Yeah. Well, I hope they come up against some team that's expected to finish towards relegation and they get smacked because that will destroy all. Of- as soon as that happens once, yeah. they'll fall apart. I would assume it's Arsenal. So. Oh, totally. And I mean, look, we can mm. hope. I think like the North London Derby is not too far off. Mm. So that's probably going to be their first big game. <laughs> and then Great. we're going to win. I'm so confident we're going to win that. And they'll be fine. We'll put them back in their place. We will. We will. Well, I've been Barney. I've been Dan. And come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.